that connected organization supporting that frontline worker with a true connected worker platform like Zaptic, that's really where the magic starts to multiply out and exponentially drives that return on investment. Hello and welcome back to ZapChat, the show where we zap it and chat it. I'm Richard Milnes and today we are joined by our very own Mike Miller and Tom Hughes. This episode is all about how the digital world is affecting manufacturing today. How is it moving forward and also how is it staying behind? We are going to talk about a transition from manual to digital manufacturing, the importance of having the right information at the right time, and the mistakes that people make in manufacturing. Now, more than ever, we need our workers to be connected. So let's find out what that means. Those with a long memory might remember that they actually both did a podcast in season one. Definitely go check it out. But it occurred to us that actually these two, when you get them in a room, I could listen to them for hours. So I'm hoping that today I'm going to say as little as possible and we are going to be really just kicking Tom and Mike off with a conversation about, well, let's find out. So briefly for anyone who doesn't yet know you, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what brought you here today. So Mike, tell me a little bit about you. Well, before I retired a few years ago, I had spent almost 25 years with Procter & Gamble, first with Gillette and then being acquired, working in the supply chain and then in their global business development organization, looking for innovative solutions to supply chain problems that Procter & Gamble couldn't solve itself by working with startups around the world, consortia, universities, other kind of academia to find those unique solutions. So almost 40 years plus in supply chain manufacturing operations from every kind of OPEX to distribution to planning, you name it, I kind of did it in supply chain. And Tom? My name's Tom Hughes. I've known Mike now for almost as long as I was in Gillette. So we met in, I think, 1997, I think, to 98, around that time. Anyway, it's a date, a long time ago. Uh, And he convinced me to move from you know, my lovely job in London to Boston with my two teenage daughters. So you can guess how that worked out. But uh, he's a great friend of mine and a great colleague. And we've worked together for the last 20 odd years, which is great. Before that, I worked in the farmer industry, the food industry and uh, Gillette engineering. And for the last seven years before I retired also, I was in global business development, licensing, teaching, developing operational excellence know-how that we then either helped factories to improve, helped businesses to set up their programs and transferred that know-how to many global top 100 companies around the world. So joined Zaptic two years ago. It has been a great experience for me to learn about how fast technology is changing uh, to help the people with the connected worker solutions. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation with my friend, Mike, about people connected worker solution, technology, and give you some insights and anecdotes of the past and where the future can potentially take us. So, Well, thank you both for the introduction. When we were doing the prep for this, uh, Mike, you said all I need to do is throw a bone in the middle and let you two run after it. So I'm going to do just that. Um, I think the bone I'm going to throw is, is, Tom, you mentioned about your technology and, and how the world's moving forward. I'd be interested to know, how is the world of manufacturing moving forward technologically and how isn't it moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, Mike and I have, you know, really very strong opinions on this and a lot of knowledge. I mean, you know, you've got to, I think before you go forward, you've got to go back and and understand where we're coming from. And, you know, Mike and I have been involved in manufacturing now since, uh, you know, a very early date, (laughs) probably started in the late seventies or, you know, 80. Uh, And we've seen- The wheel existed when we started. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it did. Uh, and back in those days, people were talking and playing around with operational excellence. And But let's be perfectly honest, back in the 80s, and my first Ishikawa diagram and my first you know, PDCA cycle was back in 82. And yeah, here we are in 2023, and I went around a factory a few months ago in uh, Croatia, and they're still using paper, whiteboards, and pens. So where you're going from today is that people are still very reliant on non-digital mobile devices to do the work of the people on the shop floor. I know, Mike, you know, you got some thoughts about that too. I do. I look at the manufacturing in three layers. I look at the level of automation of the actual operations, the equipment, right? So we've moved from probably more hand assembly operations to more automation, to robotics, to, you know, fully lights out factories. So there's that level of manual to fully automated. And then I look at people and their transitions through this from, you know, working mostly manually, putting things together and all the way through now to managing their work in a digital environment. And then if you look at their personal side, managing much of their life through digital, that digital piece is, is that information flow. And then there's the people's journey that they've gone along with that. And so I think there's an expectation now, if you look at people, we've got a lot of people in the workforce that are retiring out. The demographics are creating a situation where people are aging out of the workforce, especially in manufacturing. And in some cases, in some countries, we're struggling to get people to come into those organizations. And we need to give them the tools that they're used to using every day when they walk in the door to your operations. And guess what? They're all using mobile devices now in their everyday lives. And when they walk in the door and they see paper and somebody hands them a three-ring binder, I know a lot of kids that don't even know what a three, if you say three ring binder, they don't know what it is. Yeah, no. You know, never mind a DVD or a vinyl record. But when I say to my granddaughter, uh, you know, there's a three ring binder over there. She's, what's a three ring binder? Uh, I have a hole punch. What's a hole punch? Right. And so th they just don't know what that is. They just don't know what that is. Yeah. And so there's this expectation when I walk in the door, if you're going to have me learn something, it's going to be digitally. If you're going to help me do my work, it's going to be digital. And that's just what they expect. And it's been a struggle, I think, for the older people to uh, maybe adopt those devices, but not so much anymore. I mean, my mother-in-law is 90 plus years old. She gets up in the morning and the first thing she does is check her iPad, right? She looks for pictures from, from people, their kids, grandkids. She looks at the news and she looks at her mail. And she's 90 years old. So there is nobody outside of any age that's not used to using some kind of digital device. Yeah, I saw some figures a while ago that said in sort of Western countries, you know, North America and Europe, over 85% of all adults, it's probably closer to 90 now, have a smartphone. So, you know, my frustration after joining Zaptic is, you know, I visit factories, I talk to potential clients, and it's still a surprise that you can digitize that last bit of information where the work gets done, where value is added, if you think of lean. Whereas really the technology has changed and I think it's, it's our job to really try and educate people about how we can help the people so much more effectively with a connected worker solution than we've done in the past. Because what is a connected worker solution? You know, even that, when you talk to some executives in companies, they don't really realize. And when you, Mike, I think you have a really nice way of putting that when you've talked to some execs recently. Why don't you just tell them what you, how you, how you explain it? Well, uh, so I think there's a, what the C-suite sees thrown at them is IoT4 and now IoT5 and AR and VR. And 
a vision that is so f- disconnected from where the shop floor is that you have to walk them back, right? You have to walk them into where are you today? That might be a great vision of where you want to go. But even in many of the largest corporations in the world, you can't get people to wear an AR he- VR headset for eight hours a day. Never mind the f- pushback you get from people who know that a AR set has a camera on the front and they're potentially having themselves, you know, on video for the entire day. Uh, the privacy of you're tracking me everywhere I go. And so you have to get to a situation where you can help your people when they walk in the door every day with something they expect. And so a little bit of what I tell people connected worker is, as I say, connected worker is connecting your people just like they're connected when they go to their bank, just like when they're connected when they go to the grocery store. They expect that same kind of thing. The other part of that is the workflow when you, when you can't make the assumption that when everybody walks in the door at the beginning of the day, that they know exactly what they're supposed to do that day. The manufacturing environment is one of the most dynamic environments in the world, constantly changing. And so when your people are walking in the door, they may have a lot on their mind and you need to help them focus on the tasks that they need to do that day. And a truly connected worker solution puts those tasks in front of them on their mobile device so that they can concentrate on the work and not the worry, right? They walk in the door with the worry and now we want them to concentrate on the work and the digital device, the mobile device with Zaptic, with a connected worker solution can point them to what the work is and let them kind of push the worry back a little bit. So that's kind of how I talk to people about what connected worker is. Yeah. And I, you know, I think how you just put that about, you know, how you go to your grocery store? Are you buy holidays, how you do online shopping. And, you know, isn't it great when you go to a store and you see a product there and you want to know a little bit more about that product and there's a QR code, you get your phone, you scan it, and it brings up all the information you need to know about that product. Why can't we do that with manufacturing equipment today? It still seems in many of the factories I see today and the people I speak to, I said, you just want your manuals and your procedures and your processes and your one-point lessons. You just want to scan a code. And if you want it, you read it on your mobile device at the point of use where you need it rather than as we do in manufacturing today, we go to a SharePoint or we go to the three-ring binder, unfortunately, or the whiteboard, or we go to a database or we go to one of those many systems that manufacturing have been investing in for the last years for tens of millions of dollars, like SAP, maintenance management systems, QMSs, safety systems. They don't talk to each other a lot of the time. I'm trying to find information. I, you know, I ran factories for 20 years. You're on the floor. You're trying to find a piece of information. Today, in most factories we visit, it is very, very difficult. And if you can't find the information, you get losses. We know that, Mike, don't we? You know, Losses yeah. are everywhere. And if we can just help people find that information when they need it, wouldn't that be an incredible breakthrough? I think for me as an ex-factory manager, that'd be like magic because this stuff used to be a dream of mine 10 years ago, but we just couldn't do it effectively and at scale. But now, you know, with Zaptic Connected Worker Solutions, it's available and it, and it can really happen, which I'm absolutely amazed at personally. Yeah. Many times you're walking the door and say, we've got all that documentation digitized. We have a SharePoint or we have a content management system or something. And, and yep. there's, a, there's a lot of information and it exists digitally. 
Uh, often it's being printed and handed to people in paper form, but even if they have it all oh, stuck, hold on, hold on, all stuck on the side of the piece of equipment. Oh, absolutely. Piece that is a plastic, classic one. You know? Yeah, that still happens absolutely. Today, which is they still sell a lot of laminating film, but it's <laughs> what I, what I, what I try to explain to people is I said, it's having the information in the context of the work to be done. It's having yes. the right piece of information available when I want to do that task, when I'm at that machine, when I'm at that step in the changeover or that step in the center lining process. And so what Zaptic and Connected Worker Solutions provide is a workflow that links the task to be done with the information that's needed at the time it's needed. Now, that's if, if that's all you had to do, that's pretty straightforward. But how often does the work that I need to be done go exactly how I planned it to go? It is, you know, that it's the, whatever normal is that it doesn't, I don't encounter a situation where, oh, I see this now. If I see this, I need to go do something else because it's not the normal or it's not the standard. And so the best connected worker solutions provide a very robust if then that kind of branching environment so that when you create these workflows and people encounter these situations, you can document them now, you can document the learning from those in a series of choices or decisions that help people navigate through so they can find other documentation that's needed when the situation's not normal, right? And, yeah. and that's yeah. one of the things that's the most impressive about Zaptic is because the no-code environment where the people who are creating the workflow are the people who know how to do the work. They're the people who do the work. You can let your people create those pathways and they're aware of the situations that it's not normal. And so if this isn't normal A, I go here. If it's not normal B, I go here. And then I access this piece of documentation. And yeah, that's and just yeah. crazy. Yeah, and I, um, you know, it's a very interesting point because... Right now, those problem-solving approaches are locked in people's minds, yeah? Some of them are written down in one-point lessons or in guides or in problem-solving trees, but like often, again, they're hidden away in a system and not available at that point of use. Or, unfortunately, as you said right at the start, there's a big retirement problem in manufacturing. I think there's something like one in four people are over 55 in manufacturing and there's 20,000 baby boomers retiring every week. So there's a real problem with people retiring and taking that knowledge with them. So wouldn't it be great over their career using a connected worker solution when they have these problems, they can capture that soundbite of information, a video, a picture, or, you know, a little procedure, an annotated diagram so that then they can share that with the generations to come. And that stuff again, was a dream 10 years ago, but now it's available. And I think this is where it goes into the future because what we're talking about now is basically standard work and workflow management. But I think what people don't understand is that we're now starting to integrate and interface with the, the machines as well so that we can get signals. The machine can tell you when it needs help. The machine can ask you for help, or you can find a problem and completely integrate it with all these disparate little systems we've got around or the poor person, the operator who's trying to run the line. Have you any thoughts on that, Mike? I do, because as you think about the level of automation, you know, as you approach an apex point of a highly automated operation, the amount of people engaged in normal work 
is small. Yeah. So the people that are there are there for abnormalities. They're there for the machine just sent me a message that the motor is running hot, that the vibration is over a limit. And so they're almost always now in the most sophisticated operations, even dealing with exceptions, not rules. And so having something that can point them to the exception where it is and then give them the right information for the kind of exception they're finding, oil's too hot, vibration's too high or whatever, that's where the real, real power of information to people lies. Because if it's the routine tasks, some people have been working in a job doing the routine task for 10 years and it's almost automatic for them. But when you've got to the level of automation that it doesn't matter whether it's routine. I never encounter routine. I, my value to the company is dealing with abnormalities. The line's not running the way it should. The equipment's telling us it needs help. Well, what help does it need? And, and so being able to tie people and the information that they have to that information about what's the need for the abnormality, that's the top. And then the mobile device I have, it can take pictures, it can take videos. And so... I remember somebody said, we've got drones in our factory. When an abnormality occurs, the drones take off and they fly and they take pictures of where the abnormality is because the facility is so large, takes people forever to get there. And then somebody can look at the screen on their mobile device and they can see a video of the abnormality so they know when they go there what they should take with them. Well, that was great. But when they got there, they didn't have a mobile, <laughs> they didn't have a mobile device that had the information they needed to access or the specifications or the, or the manual or whatever. And so by having a truly connected worker solution, getting that information into the people so that when they get there, they have that and they can access it. That's, that's magic. I mean, that is yeah, truly yeah. magic. Just getting the information quickly is magic with most factories. And the other thing, I mean, the current reality, I mean, there's two things people, I think, lose sight of in manufacturing today because, you know, industry 4.0, 5.0, AI, VR, chat, GP, you know, all the AI stuff. There's certainly, I think, in people who don't work in manufacturing, a, an idea, a concept that, oh, everything could be turned into robots or AI sometime in the future. And what they don't realize is most factories in the West were built in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, they've got poor setups, poor layouts. They're not particularly quiet. You know, it costs ten hundreds of millions of dollars to recapitalize uh, just one or two factories. So, you know, you can put robots on in some areas, but there's still going to be a huge requirement for people to do the work for the next 50 years. I mean, at least because manufacturing is, you know, it's a tough industry to work in and they haven't got huge amounts of money to spend just replacing all their equipment with robots without people, if they like, you know? Yeah. And even if you've automated and you've put robotics on part of your line, I haven't seen it yet where robots are fixing robots, right? And so, you, yeah. you know, uh, the, the robots, when they have a problem, now they're very, very reliable. Don't get me wrong. We'll probably need many less people, thankfully, because we're going to have many less people based on the demographics of the world available. But the few people we do have are going to be fixing the automation and the robots that do, when they have a problem, go out there and know what to do and how to do it and how to approach it and having the right information. So even if you're at the far end of what that vision looks like with automation and robotics is people are still an essential ingredient. 
I mean, an, an AI can only do so much. It can do a lot in helping diagnose the kinds of problems you see. So, you know, as I think as we look at our roadmap, even at Zaptic, you know, and how do we incorporate AI to pull the essential learning from the knowledge we're collecting so that we can help people see the improvements possible in the work in the future? I mean, that that's out there. But if you're not collecting the knowledge, which so if you're in a paper environment today, you're not collecting the knowledge at a level with a method so that it's usable. But I mean, if you took the paper that you had today and just scanned and digitized it and then pushed it to an AI and said, tell us where the improvement opportunities are, it would tell you to go out of business because you're not going to be successful, right? I mean, that yeah. AI's conclusion would be what? But if you have a knowledge base, if you have pictures and videos and dialogue from people on the actions, on the work that they've been doing in context of what the system was seeing, because we're capturing that information, the AI can start to put those things together in a way. But, you know, you got to have some time of knowledge collected. And so that's on the roadmap and that's where people are headed. But if you've not made that first step, if you're not enabling your people digitally, if you're not collecting the information, if you're not collecting it in a meaningful way of the context of what they're doing when they're doing it, the AI is garbage in, garbage out kind of, you know, to go Absolutely. all the way back there, right? Yeah. And I th this is why I think really the connected worker solutions are absolutely vital to leverage the benefits of these higher level technologies. Because, you know, if you're doing AR, VR, you want a machine in base condition that's running at standard with good knowledge around it so that if you do decide to VR and AR, you do it in a standard way. But a lot of those standards have never been captured properly about how to do a changeover. You find that less than 30% of knowledge is captured even on paper today, and the rest of it's in people's heads. So how do you capture the, the key parameters, the key physical work in a digital form that can, as you said, might be fed into AI or to be used in VR or AR, or really to develop the new equipment and robots of the future? Because I've seen, unfortunately, bad examples where people have bought a robot to replace a piece of equipment that was fed by hand because they thought it would be, you know, less people, let me be perfectly honest. And then they put the robot on it, it became the highest level of downtime. Yeah, because they didn't have the skills or the standards or the processes to maintain that robot, which was running five days a week, 24 hours a day. And this is manufacturing in reality. It runs five days a week, 24 hours a day, or seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And it needs to be maintained, it needs to be taken care of, it needs to be fed and oiled and, and defect free. And today, most of these processes are still found in these different systems which don't really talk to each other. There's no single pane of glass to access those systems. So an operator, a technician can have the right information at the point of use when they need it. But there's this perception outside the industry that workers are becoming less relevant, less valuable in the factory, but actually it's actually the exact opposite. You know, it's so much harder now to be a frontline worker. You know, these are professionalized, highly technical, highly capable people, um, and we don't have enough of them. No. I mean, I, I think manufacturing is becoming a destination for you know, really high level people. I mean, we had one factory member in Kabuya, Mike, which we did an experiment as Procter & Gamble and we recruited all graduates for a 500 man person factory. Graduates, everyone, operator, technician, mechanic, leader, everyone. College graduates. And college graduates, you know, degree level graduates. And you looked at the performance of that versus some of the other factories, it was the same because we can build the capability 
correctly if you are a, a baker, a fireman, a farmer, or a graduate. It's about how you can capture that knowledge. You can give the knowledge to people. This was with the integration work system at PNG. But the problem being is it was still all on paper. So then you, you're reinventing the wheel all the time. You're not sharing best practices across factories. You're creating individual policies and training files which sit in a shared drive somewhere on a factory floor. I mean, it's just we lose a lot of value just by not being able to share knowledge effectively in my view. Yeah. You know, as I, as I think about the person walking in the door of a, a fairly automated factory, the skill sets they need today versus the skill sets they needed in the past were night and day, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I had the opportunity to go to a fairly sophisticated automotive operation and that's in two pieces, right? There's a place where they build the frames and the structure and the body of the car. And there's robots everywhere. everywhere. There's yeah. very highly skilled technicians to take care and feed those robotics. And, you know, they, they were so proud of the skill of those people to take care of those robotics. And then I went to the finishing operation where they put the last pieces in and the dashes in and the panels in and the trim on the vehicle. And there's people and there's bins of stuff because it's the variety of the pieces of stuff they're installing requires the dexterity that the robots no longer have, or they have people working alongside robots. And they they were doing that all from memory, right? They were, they because it wasn't the same car coming down the line every time. It was a different model or a, even a different uh, trim level of the car. And so they had to be able to look at it. And they had no digital assist. They had to look at it and know, oh, I got to take this piece or that color and put it on that car. And I said, these people are much more skilled. The guys over there, they when the robot goes down, they break out a manual and they look <laughs> at me and they have some skill. But these people over here are, that are remembering a thousand things and then doing them in a, you know, very quickly and then changing, that's a skill, right? And yeah. so yeah. you have to recognize that there's all level of skill in your operation and different requirements of skill. And if you can assist people with knowledge today, we spoke to one young lady who said she never did any home repair. And she came in and she went through the training program and she learned how to do some maintenance on her equipment. She learned how to take care of a piece of equipment. She went through the training classes with people and the videos of how to take care of the equipment. And this was a woman whose job before she joined the company was taking baby pictures of <laughs> newborns in hospitals. That's what her job was. And she was very proud of it. And she took some wonderful pictures. She said, you know, my washing machine broke the other day. And I went to YouTube, looked at the video, and I broke that puppy apart and replaced the pump and put it back together. And, you know, instead of a $500 fix, it was a $50 fix. And we were up and running. I was doing the wash. <laughs> she goes, yeah. I would have never had the courage to attack a problem like that. That's what you get when you build the skills of your manufacturing workforce and you give them the, the, the physical skills. Now you need to give them the digital skills to see the knowledge in real time. And a true connected worker solution like Zaptic is the YouTube for the person on the shop floor. It is, Absolutely. okay, at this point in this time, here's the video and here's how to go do it. If you haven't done it in a while or I don't quite remember, I want to make sure I got all the steps complete. Yeah, that's great, Mike. I mean, I, I think that's just a perfect description of, I think everything I was looking for running factories for 20, 30 years was having that, you know, that YouTube 
equivalent I and mean, it was never available and now it is and, and i hope people will truly go for it i mean the, my last point i really want to sort of discuss with you is and i think this is pretty important is the fact you know i come from a world where i was buying mes systems and saps and qms's and all the you know acronyms we have in manufacturing and those systems were totally inflexible i couldn't code them myself i couldn't <laughs> You know, if I wanted to change the look of a screen or the HMI, human machine interface, or I want to, I didn't like the way an SAP field sat or the number of lines it had in it. I mean, I needed almost a pass from the almighty <laughs> to get a change request for it. Well, it would often take three, four months if it ever happened. Whereas in Zaptic, the cool thing with connected worker systems is, let's take a specific example. You've got a clean inspect and lubrication autonomous maintenance. These are done every shift, every day, millions of them around the world, autonomous maintenance. The, you, you do it, the operator does it, they, be, they become an equipment owner, they love it, they have little videos and stuff, and then suddenly they realize one step is not needed anymore because the machine's more stable. So in the past, that would go into a spreadsheet, it would be modified, it'd have to be approved, you know, it would just, you know, new pictures, it would just take weeks to get it all sorted out, if not longer. Whereas now, you can do it straight away on the line, and, you know, 15 minutes later, it's available for the rest of the team to have. And this self-coding, self-authoring, it actually unlocks a huge potential. Because not only now can people self-code and self-create their own workflows on the floor, then all the support departments can as well. So, and, you know, you probably know, Mike, you know, quality departments, they have lots of equipment, hygiene departments, sanitization, warehouses, all this stuff that sits around and supports manufacturing. They often don't get into the computerized maintenance management system, the maintenance system, the standard work system. And we know that with a, a connected worker system like Zaptic, they can create their own processes now and connect them then to the connected worker in a much more easy uh, and hard fashion. So the system flexibility is huge. I'm just amazed at it, Richard. And you know, I want to congratulate you and the guys for and the team, the whole team for what you've created so far, really. So that's the, you know, my last point. I don't know if you've got any last thoughts, Mike. The only point I would make is if there are any IT people or, you know, listening to this podcast and you've been clutching your chest because you think it's a free-for-all where everybody <laughs> can create their own u unique yes. version of, of, the, of the truth, uh, it is a controlled platform. You can allow people to make suggestions. You can allow people the rights to do that and you can control how that's done and how it's approved. But because it's done digitally, it can be much faster, it can be quicker and it can be turned around that you never had before, yes. right? It doesn't have to go all the way into a coding environment where people have to recode stuff. And I think, Tom, that's your point. Not, not that it's a complete free for all and everybody can write their own work instruction, but you can collect well, the best. I, I, you know, they the can write best. their own work instructions and they can go through change management to ensure it's yes, approved and doesn't it, affect with the, safety with the right and quality. I, I fully so it's agree. not anarchy <laughs> on the shop floor. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'll take that but, point. Yeah. And it's, yes, but it's, you know, go ahead. No, Richard. I was going to say, I think it's a really interesting point, though, and it's a reason why you know, we use a messaging unleash for power of your workforce. And I know that our peers use similar messaging because that's so much about what connected worker is about, right? How do we unleash these highly specialized, highly intelligent, highly capable people? How do we help them to do their job better? And that's really what connected worker is about. And that's really what we're about. You know, this is why, in my humble opinion of 40 years of running factories and supply chains that 
the people, the executives in the C-suite need to see a connected worker solution as a must-have system and process. Yeah. Not a nice-to-have, not, you know, kinds of needs to pay back in, you know, six months, which it would do anyway, but they must see it as something that's absolutely essential. Like they have to do safety, they have to do quality, they have to do connected worker. It's not an optional process anymore. They really want to hit their challenges of cost and productivity and safety and quality and service, then they have to have this system now or they'll never attract the best to manufacturing and keep them and retain them and give them the tools that Gen uh, Z and the millennials that demand today, uh, really. So, you know, that's my thought. This is essential, not nice to have anymore. Sorry, Mike, you're over to you. The only thing I would lay on top of that is where do you draw the line at who the worker is? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been having a lot of conversation here about the frontline worker, the person who's doing the direct labor task to the product to make something that's going to get sold for revenue or a service that's done for revenue. But they're not an island, just like the rest of the organizations, not an island. And so I think we have a connected worker platform, but it's layering up to a connected organization. Mm. That's critically important. And it's it's not a digital organization because people have talked for a digital organization for too long, but digitizing is not always connecting. And just because there are collaboration tools like Microsoft Teams doesn't create the flows or the needed routings to ensure connection when needed, right? And a connected worker platform, a connected organization uses those tools, but make sure that the collaboration, the connectivity is enabled in the digital environment. And so as you think about platforms like Zaptic, and we include people like the maintenance organization and like the safety organization or the person coming out to do a quality check on the line, it's that connected support organization that's sitting there helping those connected frontline workers be productive, checking to make sure that everything is going just the way it needs to be, or providing additional assistance required because there's a a level breakdown that's more than the line team can handle on their own. And the third piece of that connected organization after connected support in the frontline worker is connected leadership, right? And so how does your connected worker platform connect your leadership in a way that's meaningful? So we talk about standard work a Gemba walk of a plant manager at the beginning of the day is standard work. Yes. And so they are a connected worker doing a Gemba walk. And so a platform like Zaptic in their hands, when they do their walk, allows them to create notifications, uh, documentation, and follow a process that ensures that they see the things that they want to remind themselves to see as they go through their standard work. And for leadership to think that they don't have standard work is crazy because they've got standard work. They got lots of it. They have a lot of ad hoc work, but they got a lot of standard work too. So that connected organization supporting that frontline worker with a true connected worker platform like Zaptic, that's really where the magic starts to just multiply out and and exponentially drives that return on investment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. Well, Tom, Mike, um, you promised a lively conversation. You delivered. So thank you very much. I think that's a great place to end for today. So Tom, Mike, thanks so much. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Pleasure. 
Wow, well, I said I wouldn't need to say much, but thanks, Mike and Tom, for making my job easy. As always with these two, just get them in a room and they can talk for hours. So if you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and I hope you join us again soon. Thank you.